Hey guys, and welcome back to Real Estate Renovators, the show that's designed to help real estate agents navigate through the current shitstorm. Now, we've had a bit of fun in the first two episodes, and today we've got a special guest, but before I introduce him, I've got to introduce my fellow co-host, Rexy. How are you, big fella? I'm so good, mate. You? Yeah, good. You're looking quite sharp in that suit there, handsome man. That's what I do. Chanel, our professional HR, PNC guru. Hey, Chanel. I don't know about professional, but I'll take the guru part. I'm good, <laughs> thanks, JC Sellers. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah? Quick question. Yes. How many champagnes before we started today? They were three, but it was mimosa. So it was actually 50% orange juice, 50% champagne. So technically, it was only one champagne. <laughs> I thought it was like a 90-10 split. But, you, know. you had blurry vision, Rex. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> one champagne. Though, so well, you know. He was the poorer. And who could we? how can we forget <laughs> Petey? How are you, virtual Pete? Morning, team. You had any of the mimosa, orange juice, champagne sort of behaviour going on? Just water, unfortunately. <laughs> so today, Pete, sorry, I just, like, just gave you the arse there in a heartbeat, didn't I, really? That's not quite inappropriate for me to do that to Pete. He's a good <laughs> friend of mine. Today, our episode's really exciting because we're going to talk all about growth. And we, who better to get than the guy that's been stalking us for the last five or six weeks, to be honest? Probably longer. But <laughs> probably longer. <laughs> is Rob Osimo, who runs, along with his partners, Harcourts, Rada & Co. in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. G'day, Robbo. How are you, pal? Good, mate. How are you? Good to see you, big man. Um, Rob's going to tell us uh, quite a few stories, I think. I hope, anyway. And going to give us a bit of insight into how he's taken his firm from four team members to in excess of 100. I mean, Rex, you've got to admit, that's pretty outstanding. It's amazing. And in such a short time as well, my understanding has been 12 months or so that you went from four people to over 100. So let us know. There was a point in time, yeah, that we had that growth. Yeah, yeah but over, we want to know. Like, I'm sure every agent wants to know, how did you grow that quickly and so well and be regarded and take over the whole north side to some extent in such a short period of time from a nothing? Yeah. I don't think that you can put it down to just one thing. Um, the, the, the first thing that we had in place is I've got a really great team of, of business partners mm -hmm. uh, and we're all very focused on where we want to be. Uh, so goal setting is very important um, and because you, it's impossible to know, you know where you're going if you don't have a goal. So once you've set your goals and you understand where it is that you want to be, and for us it was about market share, it was about growth in our rent roll, um, and then you can go about you know, setting a plan to get there. With your goals, how did you, did you sit down as a team and put them together and did you revisit it over time or was it just you set your goals and you it grew by itself? Uh, well, we always have to revisit them because the thing about goals is they always change. The goalposts always change. Mm. You know, what we're going through at the moment is a perfect example, um, you know, going through, through COVID. So the goals don't necessarily change. You might alter them slightly, uh, but the way that you get there definitely you, you know, changes all the time and there's unforeseen things. So we always revisit uh, not only our goals, but the path that we're on and, you know, we, we discuss whether we need to take detours or we're, we're on track. That's a good point, Robbo. Mike Tyson famously coined the phrase, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And the thing about plans is often, Rob, they don't go to plan. So how did you guys sort of navigate through, obviously the last nine months has been quite challenging, but yep. not just that. I mean, as you've grown your business, there's been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of different challenges. How did you guys stay on track? Well, first of all, there's no clear yeah, track without any obstacles. So there's always things that you need to assess and things that come up along the way. And the thing that's inherent with growth is that it creates even more problems and things that you haven't foreseen. Yeah. Um, and so the communication that I have with my business partners and 
um, the level of communication and, uh, and the, the, the shared vision that we have in our goals is what sustains us. Um, and it's just about making sure that at every single turn, at every single event, uh, that we come together as a group and we decide uh, how that affects our, our journey, how that affects our goals, and we adapt. I think the thing is, with communication, everything can be solved through communication. Now, one of the challenges is with business partners, right? And we've spoken about this before, and without being disrespectful, but real estate, there's a couple of egos going on. You've got to admit that, right? So how For do sure. you guys, do you leave your egos at the door? How do you, how do you navigate through that? You know, someone might be a and Chanel. You, I know you got a bit to say about that, Chanel. Um, but how, how do you guys get through that piece? Um, well, we beat our chests first, mm-hmm. and then we put it aside. <laughs> and then we put it aside, and we focus on what's good for the business. It's a bit like Big Rex was on the bench press before we started, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can I draw a back there? So, knowing Harcourt's writer and co for a really long time now. How, Rob, does the, the writer sort of work? Because I know that within your business, it's very different to a lot of other businesses where each business owner has a certain sort of duty within the business. So yeah. how is the writer sort of structured and what sort of part does each business owner play in yeah. the business? Well, we do have a sort of a division of duties. Um, so you know, we, we all have, as, as business owners, we've all got our individual sales teams that, that operate under us. So we're, first of all, responsible for a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of us are responsible more for the rent roll and then others are responsible for the, the commercial side of the business. Uh, but in terms of the direction of the business, it's something that we decide together. And how and, often do you sit down and talk about that? Is that once a year? Is it every six months? Like the vision of where you're going? Do you like change that often or...? Uh, we try not to change it too often because we've got some pretty, um, you know, big audacious goals mm. uh, that 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 basically we're we're striving to achieve, and that might you know be a journey of another ten years. We don't know. Mm. Um, so we always we always communicate to change the direction to get to those goals, uh, but we'll we'll talk all the time. So we might have you know, a, more of a formal discussion about the the you know, the big decisions that we need to make in the business, you know, once a month or once a quarter. Uh, but we're always talking, and if we're not on the phone, we're on text. And now, what about during salami Zoom. season? Can I ask? Is that where a lot of business <laughs> meetings happen during salami and winemaking season, or is that just? Well, a I think that's an important point you raise. I because, think it is too. Um, when yeah, to, to your point about egos, uh, the first thing you need to do is share common goals and common visions mm-hmm. because we all need to be moving in the one direction. And if we're all moving in the run, one direction, then there's less chance for conflict. Um, and to Chanel's point. Um, we're very good friends outside of work. So we do things, uh, like she mentioned you know, the salami and wine. We just made our first batch of wine, about 200 litres of wine. So I should have bought you a bottle Where's today. my bottle? <laughs> oh. I was wondering where the link I'll to express, salami was coming. To I'll, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll express post it. They do. They've got a great salami yeah. setup where they then go and create big salami yeah. sticks that they then... <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, sounds like I, I think someone needs, to, close. someone needs to put the aircon close. on in here pete I, I know you're in bris vegas and are you listening to this whole salami <laughs> conversation i i thought we were here talking about selling properties and listing properties <laughs> hey, chanel's <laughs> gonna wear this one <laughs> no but chanel's had a, a big involvement in the growth of your business yeah yeah very much um, so. you know i mean Think about that, growing from four to 100 wrecks. Can I take it back though? I want to know how how you did it. How do you go from four to 100? What, how do you maintain your culture? How do you maintain the goals within your, within the group inside? I mean, I understand the partners have the shared Mm -hmm. vision. What about everyone else in your team? Well, we spend a lot of time with with Jason. Um, We spend a lot of time with Jason working out what our mission statement was and our core values. Um, And we ensure that we share those with the team so that the team is on board how do you goals. do it though? How do you share the vision? 
it, just in every day. So yeah, you know, mm. when we first came up with the mission statement, we would share it with them um, in, in a, more of a formal meeting. Um, but in our one-on-ones with our team members, uh, we assess their performance not only based on the numbers, but based on whether they're living the core values of the company and whether they're living up to the mission statement. So that's music to my ears. And I know, Pete, you're big on this, um, you know, nailing your purpose. Who do you serve and how do you serve them? And then last episode, we're um, talking to your people on a regular basis about your values and mission. So it's really great, Rob, that you sort of embody that sort of thought. So congratulations. And I think the big thing that we need to remember is no one's going to love your business as much as you do. It's your baby, Robbo. You guys have set it up. Um, You you can see clearly where you're going. And for some of our team members, I mean, respectfully, it's just a job for them. And Mm. so the more time, Rex, that you spend encouraging and sharing your vision, talking about your core values, what you stand for, and your purpose, who do we serve and how do we get there, keep reminding your team members. I think that's a real big part of how we get to where we want to go. And I think the big thing, kudos to you guys, around not just reporting on the numbers, but also the behaviour of your team members and embracing that culture. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I think it's the only way really to get, to get buy-in from your team is, is to get them to, to buy into the goals and to the, the values of the business. Um, and in that way there, they have a sense of pride. Um, and that's so important because that plays out on the street, that plays out in the living room, with, whether yeah. it's with a landlord, a tenant, a vendor, yeah. a, a buyer. Um, and they represent the company, the company more passionately. And I think that that relates to what happens out in the street we, and, and the passion that we have when we're out on the street doing auctions and the energy of the company. And so when you say, you know, pinpoint what, how, how you had that growth, it's very hard to pinpoint one or two yeah. things. It's just but a culmination of everything. How do you go from four to over 100 and maintain that? How, what do you guys do to maintain? How did you grow from four to 100? And you've got five officers now. Yeah. So how do you go from there? I think you've met potentially more. I, I think like that- How do you recruit? How do you get the right team members on board? Because, yeah. you know, before you answer that, if you ask any business owner, the hardest thing that they'll say to you is to find, attract, and hold on to good people. Mm. I yeah. mean, how do you do that? Like, not just one or two people, yeah. but they picked up 96 people in a <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, we've got the, the help of uh, a Chanel here, which has been a great help. How many did you did you grow in the, I in can't the, the remember. months that you spent with us? I think 60. We hit about 60 in yeah. six months. Yeah. But one thing I will say about Harcourt's Vita & Co is that when I have candidates go and interview there. So let's just say we have a, a property manager in the northern suburbs and say I've got six, six agencies that I can send them to for an interview. Hands down. I'm going to say 9.5 out of 10 times, they'll walk away from an interview with Harcourt's Writer and Co. and they'll want that job. And it doesn't come down to just salary. They'll walk into the interview and it's the way that you sell the business and the environment when you walk into that particular office that makes people want to work there. And I think that comes down to the culture that, that yourself, um, Andrew, Tony, Alex and Daniel have all created. But it's, it's almost a buy-in. It's a buy-in to the vision of the business, the growth of the, vis- the business. And it's almost like a, a family or a culture of its own. So how did you create that? How do you create this culture? Because I, it still baffles me that I've never had a candidate walk away, even if they're offered 10 grand another agency, they want to work for Harcourt's Writer & Co. And it's still like, you know, I, I see how you guys do that, but yeah. how do you do that? I think as leaders, we, we bring uh, unique qualities to the table. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of passion and a lot of energy uh, and we make sure that the, the team feels that and it just 
the, the environment starts with us. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it starts with absolutely everything you do from the moment that you step into the office every single morning. Um, and if you step in and you're dragging your feet, well, that's the environment that you're going to create. Mm. But if you step in with energy, with a passion for what you do, a passion for your team, a passion for your clients, and a passion for the industry, then eventually that's contagious. Mm. Um, and as I said, it's hard to pinpoint one or two exact things. But when you've got that, that, that culture and you nurture mm. that culture, the people that you send to us to interview, they feel that when they walk through the door. Yeah. You know, they, they feel that buzz and that energy. They really do. Can I, I, can't, I actually can't pinpoint it, but it is. It really is an energy that the moment you walk in, you genuinely feel like you're part of a big family. It's bizarre. I can't explain it. It's just the yeah. energy that you've created. How do you maintain that through multiple offices? Because it's yeah, easy. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. How, it's easy to maintain in one office because mm. you're there all the time, but you've got five offices. So how do you maintain that energy, that culture through five different offices? That's, that's been a difficult thing to do. Um, because sometimes you have issues in a certain office that may be uh, contained to that office. And so it's very hard to get that group of people to think in the same way as another group of people do. Um, but what we do is we just try as much as we can to involve the, the team in absolutely everything. So it's one team. So your team, when you do social events or anything like all that? One. All one. All one. Yeah. Yep. What about team meetings and stuff? Is that all one or is yep. it? Yeah. So our rental department now is, is sitting in one under one roof. So they're one team now and they'll do their meetings uh, all together and they all follow the same systems and same procedures. Uh, that's very important too, that everybody understands what's, what's required of them. Um, same with the sales team, although it's easier to, to cultivate culture with a sales team that's splintered across multiple offices because a lot of the stuff that happens in the team is, uh, is on the road and on the street and, you know, and they all pitch in and help each other regardless of which office they sit in. So that intrigues me. They help each other. They, they do, don't, yeah. They don't pinch leads off each other and they work together, do they? We make it, uh, we have a very clear, concrete set of, of, of sales rules, um, which, which cover what happens with leads, what happens with uh, listings, what happens with buyers, who's buyers, who's, who's vendors, who's... Can, can you share like that, that with us? Do you mind or not? Or is that a bit it's of It's like a, a two-page document. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. How do you police it though? So well, how do you police something like that? You can have a set of rules in place over five different yeah. offices and 100 agents or whatever the case may be. Yeah. How do you police it and make sure everyone's sticking to it? Very easily. Uh, if, a, if an issue comes up, before the sales team or the people that have the issue come to us, they have to refer to the rules. If they can't find a solution within the rules, then we'll adjudicate. Oh, and wow. we've, we've had to do that twice. Twice. Only twice. Only twice. In 20 years or 16 it's, years. It's or a whatever. very comprehensive list of rules. Yeah, wow. I've yeah. seen that handbook. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very detailed, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's gone from a two-pager to a handbook. Well, yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> say that. The one thing that the, the Harcourts Writer & Co do, and it's something that we touched on in, in our previous episode, it's consistency. And there's consistency across the board yeah. with everything mm, that you yeah. do. When you, when you don't have consistency, then people don't know what to expect and what's <laughs> expected of them. And then that... that Ruins culture. Can I go, Sorry, I just please. Pete put his hand up, and oh. he's a friend of mine from Brisbane. I, I don't forget about Pete. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Pete, Pete the, the point the point that Robbo just raised there, well, I think, is a real valid point, right? And what he said, and I know that you do a lot of this sort of work with your clients, rather than like Robbo and all the boys working out the problem, they go, "You guys fix your own problem." Here's the guidelines. Here's the handbook, as Chanel would say. You guys fix the problem. In your experience, Pete. That works better than going to a dictator or someone fixing the problem. It's, it's sort of, it's even like parenting, right? If you say to your child, if you've got a kid, I know Rob's got a, you've got a couple in Australia and a few overseas in Thailand. <laughs> but in, one of the conversations I've been having with my youngest son, Tom, he's 13 years old 
and he has a knack of just hitting the PlayStation. And then with COVID and all that sort of stuff and school holidays, he was spending like nine, 10 hours a day on the PlayStation. And rather than me saying- Wait till he meets girls, it might go away. <laughs> this is Rex again. Um, so, <laughs> it's got a, experience. Yeah, slight problems. I'm wife number four or five. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry, Rex. No, is she number four? No, 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 no. Anyway, sorry, I'm just showing So, But rather than me saying to Tom, or Angie and I saying to Tom, look, you're spending too much time. We said to Tom, how much time do you think you should spend on the PlayStation? He said, oh, Dad, maybe about two hours and maybe an hour on my phone. And so he became accountable for his own actions. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying as employers, we treat our team members like kids, but it's a similar sort of concept, isn't it, Pete? I think if you can get your staff to actually work it out before it comes to you, um, they also have more sort of um, ownership over resolving it as well, rather than having someone tell them and make a judgment on it. And, and you know, we see that a lot in agencies where if, if people can actually work those issues out at an actual staffing level, um, the culture is so much more alive and it's actually embodied by the people rather than it coming from the top again. I think in the previous episode, we spoke about culture, you know, being sort of alive within the actual ranks and the staff, opposed to it being pushed upon from the leaders. So, um, you know, that, that's music to my ears, Rob. It's, 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 a, it's a great outcome for your business. But, but look, there's no doubt that the culture has to start with the leadership group. Right? Can I go back one step? Yeah. Your rule book. How did you create this rule book? Um, so it's gone from a two-pager to a handbook, now a rule book. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just clarify. Your two-pager two rule book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robert, you keep saying it. Yeah, the handbook, I think, is the whole company handbook. Yeah, but maybe she's, this she's talking about the policy and the policies and procedures yeah. manual. But just to yeah. clarify, it's a two-pager. The sales rules, the sales rules are two-pager. We try and keep it as simple as we can, mm-hmm. um, and we've tried to think of you know all the possible scenarios. But who created it, and when did you create it? It was, it was born from our experience as salespeople, um, and the issues that we experience as salespeople, and the issues that um, the, the directors would uh, not want to get involved in or adjudicate unfairly. Um, so when we started the business uh, in 2010, that was one of the first things that we did was implement that. And um, once you rule. implement it, how do you make sure everyone abides by it? How do you... Does, so if Rex, I'm a new oh, Sorry, Rex, you're sounding very much like a lawyer. I am. <laughs> I am. Apparently, I'm one too. Um, but once you implement this rule book, how do you make sure a new sales agent that joins your company knows about it and ensures that they stick to it as well? Yeah, well, that's the first thing that they get. Um, so they're, they're requ- it's required reading before they start. They need to understand okay. the rules. Um, and you know, the, the more, less experienced salespeople so might make- So back to your required reading. So you make sure every new sales agent reads this before oh, yeah. they start. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as there's any issue, the first question that's asked from us is, have you read the rules? Right? And if the answer is no, we'll go back and read the rules. And usually 99% of the time, the answer will be in the rules. And that comes back to what Chanel was saying about consistency, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Hey, so it hasn't always been rosy, surely not. Oh, I mean, absolutely not. You know, no. we've, we've, no. we've spoken no. about a good story. We've grown from no. four to 100. We're rock stars, blah, blah, blah. It's no. so easy. We hired all these guys. It was really easy. Surely you've had a few. Oh, we've had a lot. Downs yeah, as opposed to ups. Yeah, we've had so, a lot. And often people say that most of our learning comes from our failures as opposed to our successes. I couldn't can, agree more. Can you t- share with us some issues and how you've dealt with them with the people piece. I mean, I keep going back to people because they're the most important part of our business 
And at times, they're challenging. Now, if you think about this, Chanel, in your experience, I mean, you've been in HR for a long, long time. Doesn't look it. Started when you were three. No, um, no, no, you've been in it for, hey, mum didn't call me, came up for a reason. We love that. (laughs) Chanel, AKA Gucci. Um, No, no, sorry. That's my future daughter's name. Don't tell everyone. No doubt, you've just reserved. Valentino, Gucci. uh, No, back on track, Jason. Come on, work with yourself. Um, So, but in your experience, right, most team members have one or two issues that they go through personal issues a year, right? So if you've got 100 times two, that's 200. Mm. It's like four a week that you're dealing with. Mm. How did you guys navigate through that? Or do you go, oh, sorry, back to the rules. I think no, that's no, why Rex don't, no. actually comes into it a lot, doesn't he? We have helped a couple of times, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, no, but Rex, that's fair enough. Like there's legal stuff, but you yeah. know what? People are people, Rob. I see your point. Yeah, I see you know, your point. We're all people. And at the end of the day, what we've been through with this nightmare lockdown, no one can go anywhere. We're all dealing with a lot of shit. Yep. Right? And at the end of the, and I use a bit of French, as you know, at the end of the fucking day, people are people. How do you spend the time with your team? Because they're obviously looking up to you guys. Yeah. Well, that's how we spend most of our time is, is with our team. And um, getting to know them more and getting to understand what's going on, not only in their work life, but in their personal lives, mm. uh, and just being there to be able to assist them in, in any way that we can. I think that I would like to think, and I'm quite confident that anyone on, on our team knows uh, that they can approach us for anything at any time without any hesitation. But there is that boundary, isn't it, Chanel? I well, mean- one thing I really wanted to, to sort of like, you know, a point that we should make is that during COVID, there's been in- incredible turnover with a lot of successful businesses. And a lot of that's come down to how directors handled COVID and how they shared that message of safety, support, um, encouragement and, and consistency again with their team members. And one thing I noticed with Ryder & Co again is that you had your message delivered to each individual team member and you looked at each every individual team member and what their situation was yeah. during COVID, whether they were a single mother. So how did you sort of come together and have this plan about how to communicate all the changes that were happening during COVID and how was that sort of made consistent across the board with you know a team of 90 or 100 or however many you have now? Yeah, well, COVID was a unique, obviously uh, a unique challenge for everyone. Uh, and for us, you're right, it was about you know, making sure that we, we provided um, a, a I guess a procedure or system for each individual employee that they could continue to to do their work, continue to be mm-hmm. productive, and and hopefully flourish um, in their work in, you know, during that time. Um, and we've got yeah throughout the whole throughout the whole uh, COVID or lockdown, um, our rental team just absolutely outperformed. Mm. Yeah. yeah, in lockdown did, we were yeah. we were releasing 80, 90 properties a month. Mm. You know, and we weren't even doing inspections. Yeah, wow. Um, and so um, we're really really fortunate to have the team that we've got in. Yeah, not just in rentals, but overall in our admin sales, uh, they've really just all pulled together. I've known you guys for a long time and I know your focus um, has been not just on the sales piece, but also on the PM part of your business. And this is an area where Pete sort of really comes to the fore. I mean, he doesn't offer too much, to be honest. No, no, I'm only joking, Pete. You know, I love you. But Pete is a, a big proponent of the importance of the PM business and, and also the importance when we spoke about culture, mm. Chanel, and we often talk about that disparity between the sales team and the PM guys. And I know in your business, it's very much equal across the board. Can you talk us more about how important that is? Because I don't want to discount this point, and I know I keep harping on it, but at the end of the day, if you look in this industry, how hard and how many hours real estate agents work, right? If you then say, 
there's 24 hours in a day. Let's say you sleep for eight or Rexy two and a half, whatever. So say you sleep for eight, you have a shower, get to work. The most part of your day that you're awake is you're at work with your employer and your team members. And often it's easy, like you're a gun real estate agent, it's easy to slip back and like list a couple of properties or, you know, speak to the customer. But rather than doing that, you're spending time with your team members. How much of your time throughout the week would you dedicate to being there for the guys that work with you? Um, obviously, a little bit less you know, at the moment in COVID because you know, we're restricted in the way that we can meet. Uh, but in, in a normal day, under normal circumstances, probably 80% of my day is spent with my team. Yeah, wow. It's not been, it's not, it's often that I'll pop into the Ryder & Co office and there's, they're having a barbecue at the back with sales oh. and rentals. Or a big, there's been, I think, times where I've walked into an office and there's a big salami spread and they're all eating You're that. back on the back salami, salami. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm also very European, so I take a lot of pride in my salami. But so at, at the interval, is... at the interval, Chanel's going to cook us up a little bit of a, uh, like a... Rob brought some in the boot of his car to uh, slice some up. Uh, we this should is... have a count on how many times this woman mentions champagne and, and a, salami. A, a salami. <laughs> These are the small things that create it. Like, because I think a lot of business owners will watch this and they'll be like, "All right, we get it." Like, is that the only be... reason you come to our office for the salami? For the salami, yes. And and yeah, well, that's one of the major reasons. I'm going popping free now. But I think that a lot of business owners watch this and they're like, "Okay, we get it, culture." But how do you actually create it? How, like, it, it's it's like what I said last time. It's a word that's thrown around frequently. But I think what business owners really want to know is how do you create that culture? So when we're looking at Team Rider and Co. We're hiring people that reflect their Rob, Andrew, Tony, Alex, and Daniel's goals in life. Um, and they are very much salami goal driven because they are, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But they're creating an environment where people are drawn to it because they want to be part of a big family. And that's what it feels like when you walk mm. in there. So people aren't drawn, I mean, yes, they're drawn to the fact that it's a big brand and it's a big office and there's a lot of room for growth and progression, but they're drawn to it because they walk into an office and like I said, there might be a barbecue happening in your courtyard area or, you know, a, a big spread of salamis and cheeses. And, Again and with I know the salami. This sounds ridiculous, <clears throat> but these are things that when we are on the field talking to candidates all day, every day, why did, did you prefer um, the interview with Harcourts compared to the interview with John Black Real Estate? Because I walked in there and I saw this, 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 and this. And, and also, this. John and Black that... offered uh, prosciutto as opposed to salami. Um, <laughs> I'll take the prosciutto. Can I, can I digress this to something else that I'm off, more interested in? Off-cured meats. Off-cured meats. Just quickly, though, to that point, to Chanel's point. Chanel understands us. She understands our business. And so um, we're fortunate that we've got someone that, that knows us intimately like that. Mm. So when she does place a candidate, yeah. she places the ones that fit. Mm. Which is so important. What I want to know is, how do you go from one to two to three to four to five yep. offices and ma- not just maintain the culture, but there's a choice that you need to make at some stage. Mm. Do you keep it all in one house or do you keep expanding? And there's a cost to expand mm. as well. Yep. And there's mm. diversity and there's risks and all this there's stuff. Rent well. and there's overheads. extra rent, extra reception staff, extra admin, extra everything when you do that. Mm. And is there a benefit to doing it? And what decisions are made when you expand to multiple offices? And mm. is it worthwhile? Yeah, and can I just add to that? Only because I just want to add to it. And I'm, Chanel's obviously going to bring in the salami any moment now. No, but there's... The extra salami as well. <laughs> no, also the movement of, do we actually need physical offices? Mm-hmm. You know? So can you talk us through that? Um, we, we're having this discussion right now, actually, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, COVID has opened our eyes to what the technology can actually do for us. Um, and we, we were lucky that we were early adopters of a lot of the technology uh, that's available. You have your own technology as well. 
Sorry? You have your own technology that you use. Yeah, well. yeah, we do, yeah. Um, and so we, we adopted it early on. So coming into COVID, we were, we were fortunate that we had that in place. I mean, we had to make you know, changes and, and, and adapt. Uh, but it does make you look at you know, the space. And we've got you know, five officers and you know, there's plenty of floor space there. Mm. Uh, and you, you do ask yourself the question whether we actually need that. I'm, I, I believe that um, there's still something to be said for a traditional shop front in, in, yeah. a, in a location, but does that, does that need to be a full office or should we house everyone on, under one roof? Uh, we did that with the rental team um, and it's worked out uh, quite well because it's, it's actually helped the culture a lot. Mm. Uh, whereas, yeah, especially in rentals, there was a little bit of a splinter in uh, with the different teams. And now being under one roof, it's easier to, to control the procedures. Um, it's easier to control how everyone works. That's a good point that you raise, Robbo, is about, you know, often people talk about managing people and I don't think you can manage a person, right? It's more around managing the process, which is one of the things, Pete, that you're big on, is around making sure handbook, rule book, two-pager, whatever we've got, um, but it's around managing the process and managing the behaviours associated with those processes. Pete, can you give us a little bit of insight into that? I know, I know you do a lot of work in that space. Uh, what, what I'd really love to know is that, um, Obviously, sales and property management are normally got a huge division in terms of cultures and, and um, you know, the behaviours in those types of environments are quite different, right? Um, at your agency, how do you get that connectivity between the two services? Pete, before we go down, I, I mean, I think you just didn't even answer my question. I mean, what am I to you? No, I'm only joking. It was probably inappropriate for me to say that about Pete, but he just ignored me. I asked him a question and he said, Jace, get fucked. I've got my own question, you know? Is that, I mean, do you think that's a bit disrespectful? I think he's a bit hurt today. I am. I, you know, to be honest, I'm a bit gentle. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling a bit precious. He's fragile. Jace. <laughs> no, that's okay. You forgive oh, sorry. it. Sorry. No, no. But, yeah. So what was the question was about the creating unity between, between the two, sorry. The two departments. No, uh, so sales is obviously quite different to PM, right, um, in, its, in its culture and, and how you manage people. And to just on the back of what Jason was saying is that how do you actually get that connectivity culturally between two services that are very, very different? Like PM is obviously very nurturing and caring in, in its sort of um, entirety, but then sales is very sort of quite sort of you know, full-on sort of, you know, target-driven. So how, how do you get that connectivity between those two, two sort of parts of the business? I think a big thing is uh, working with your sales teams and to get them to understand what it is that the property management department does um, because a lot of salespeople don't actually get what they do. Um, and, and because, of, because of, of that, then yeah, they'll put extra pressure in a, in a property manager's day. And, and you know, Pete, that you know, property manager's day is full of pressure as mm. it is, so they don't need that. So if you, can get the, if you can get each department to understand that we're all pulling in the one direction and understand how someone else's role contributes also to their success, then they're more likely to, to work in with that person rather than uh, just demand. Can I ask a stupid question, right? Is it really that important that the sales guys and the PM guys work together? I mean, I know that sounds- I think it is. Yeah, it is, so yeah. I, I want to know why. He'll probably tell you better no, than No, 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 you're the big man, you're the lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> big um, mouth with a nice suit. I'd love the pinstripe action, yeah. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> like you, Pete. 
in my non-real estate experience, mm. um, you want them to always work hand in hand. A lot of sales comes from the real estate department. Yeah. A lot That's of real estate, me, every boy. time you get a sales, if it's an investment property, you want them to convert to your real estate, uh-huh. to your pre-M management. The, the um, figures are anywhere between 5 and 10% of the rent roll uh, turns over in sales every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we want to be making sure that we've, we get yeah, 100% of that. Mm. Um, and if you don't have a good relationship between property manager, potential vendor who's now a landlord mm. and sales team, mm. then things fall through the cracks. Mm. And the, the service from a, a landlord who's been serviced by the property management department and then transitioning into a, a vendor, mm. it needs to be seamless. Yeah. And that can't be seamless unless the communication between the team is. Mm. Even in, I'm sure, um, Pete. Yeah, go Pete. But what part does property management play in your plan? obviously got five offices, um, you know, multiple sales team. What does property management mean to you as an organisation and where you guys are going? It means as much to us as it does that sales do. So we put as much focus and effort into our property management department uh, and growing the portfolio as we do in growing market share in our, in our marketplace. Rob, if you go to a listing, does a property management go for a sales agent? No. You, you keep them separate? No, how do you mean? How do you integrate the two? So if you go to a sales listing, yeah. no, we typically don't bring a property manager. But then how would how do you go about integrating the property management team with your sales team? Well, surely the landlord brings up. And- well, there's certain events that, that would trigger you know, the a salesperson getting in touch with a landlord or a property manager getting in touch with a buyer or, or a vendor. How do you, so I'll give you orchestrate that? Yeah. So, you know, because we've you know, all technology based now, everything's on the iPad and everything's autom- automated. Mm. So at a yeah at a point of sale, so let's just say we've knocked something down, we bring the buyer in, we're signing the contracts, and they turn out to be an investor. It's one extra click, and then the BDM department gets that lead, and they're onto it straight away. By the end of the day, Perfect. they've organised an appointment. And the, the BDM department. BDM department, yeah, business, business development. Yeah, no, I know what it stands for. So you've got a dedicated team. We've, at the moment, we've got two team members that their role is to, to get business. Oh, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. You should have that in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like that. So you've got dedicated. So yeah, yeah so tell me about the, I, I really like that. So you've got dedicated PM guys, you've got sales team members. And BDM. And BDM. Yeah. We're always, we've always invested for future growth. We've never, like we've that. never been, we've never been the type of business. And this, yeah, to, to the earlier points about how did we grow and how did we go from four people to a hundred people, um, we've always invested in future growth. So we've got our plan, we've got our vision of where we want to be, and we make those investments ahead of time, anticipating that we're going to have that business. I really so, like that. So, how much does a BDM get paid? Um, oh, it varies I because they're, varies. On a, they're on a base with commissions. So how do they earn their commission? If the, so they split listing, it with the yeah. listing agent? No, no, the, the, it's completely separate to sales. BDMs are out sort of prospecting for new rental properties. So any properties they bring to a rent roll, they get a commission for it. Oh, so the only BDM, sorry Rex, sorry, oh, I know you're excited. Um, <laughs> so, so a BDM only works in the PM part of the business? Only, yeah, only for rentals, yeah. I reckon that's. I, I, I'm intrigued by that. Every salesperson should be their own BDM. That's too, what though. I would have thought. Yeah. And then yeah. when you were mentioning about BDMs, I'm going, "What the hell is he doing in his business?" <laughs> so you've got a dedicated team of BDMs to go out and get um, uh, yeah. rental roles and, and to deal with leads from the sales team, which is a, a, a plenty of those. How do you deal with egos? Because you've got the PM department, yeah. which is split up between traditional property managers and BDMs, and BDMs are earning commissions whilst 
property managers are not necessarily earning commissions. How do you deal with that? Uh, our property managers do earn commissions on letting fees. Yep. BDMs earn commissions on obviously new listings. Um, so there's, everyone has an, an opportunity to grow within our business. So if somebody uh, is within the business and they have the aspiration to become a BDM or to move into sales, uh, we can create a pathway for them. So, so I'm just stuck on this BDM thing because I, I haven't heard many people do this. Is this n normal? In yeah, the, I think it's a normal. Thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What the fuck am I doing on this show yeah. if I don't know that? I know. <laughs> Can I bring something up though? When, oh, actually, you go, Dave. No, 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 you're the boss. Okay, You've got the magenta on. And... So what I wanted to ask was, so you mentioned you know, a lot about you plan for the future. So COVID's actually, so what COVID's done is that it's sort of fast forwarded the future. So now we're going to have a lot of sort of I guess competition in the market with candidates wanting to join companies that offer sort of work from home flexibility and sort of you know a more digitalized approach to their businesses. So you know they can work from home and that's going to. Be, so how? What is the plan for the future for Rada and Co? And what does the future of real estate look like for you? Well, I think the plan is something that's under review at the moment, mm. uh, but we're certainly mindful of you know the changing landscape in the workplace mm. um, and the the plans that we're talking about at, at the moment are to deal with the new way of doing things. And it may mean less floor space. It may mean, um, you know, bring the team under one roof. Uh, there's many options out there for us, but we don't know exactly mm. what it is. But I know that you know, I have confidence in, in in our business and in my partners that we're going to come up with the right the right uh, approach. It sounds like you've got a really good relationship with your partners, right? We do, yeah. And we've spoken a lot about, you know, how have well... Have you met his partners? No, no, I've met oh Tony. He's got a problem. Tony's <laughs> got a slight problem. <laughs> well, when I say slight, I'd say an enormous problem. But he's, he's a good... He's too good looking. No, he's That's a good looking rooster. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're going to have to... You have to cut that no, out. No, no, we're not cutting the shit out. I'll be honest with you. the next one. Right now, no shirt. It's just jacket and have a look at this. He's like doing a plank before you he meets you. Wax out a couple of push-ups. The worst thing I did was when... Well, I went to watch Tony play football. And he kicked six, six goals that day. Oh, so, no. I did not hear <laughs> him. Abby Jaffer, wasn't I didn't he? hear him. Like he, he's months. 40 years old. He was yeah. playing in the under 12s. So, uh, but anyway. <laughs> no, he was, no, I tell him he played in the under 50s. No. <laughs> yeah. no, but, but let's talk about, I mean, it's not all uh, beer and Skittles, right? No, definitely not. Let's talk about the shit fight that we've been through. Um, mm. I mean, your industry has been belted. Yep. Um, how did you navigate through that? How did you keep the team together? How did you deal with the mental... Head fucks. There we go. That's, I think I'm only allowed to have three F words, aren't I? Um, so no more after that. that well, well and truly. Yeah, yeah, I probably have. Um, so how did you deal with that? How did you how did you stay on point? I mean, because it, it was tough going. I mean, no one was listing a property. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very hard. It was very hard. And uh, it was hard to keep the team focused, um, especially the sales team. The, the rental team was flat chat. Yeah. They, they were extremely busy and they still are. Uh, was but they were also there. dealing with like reduced rents and all yep. that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, they had their plates. They're probably busier than what they usually are. Mm. Right? Uh, as far as the, the sales team, the big challenge for us has been to keep people motivated in a time where there's not a lot happening. Um, so we, we, we took the opportunity to implement some uh, technology that we've been working on over the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, and the team has been able to work on their databases hand in hand with that new technology and sort of retrain themselves and, and get back in touch with their databases so that coming out of this, they've been able to come out um, mm. really well. Um, and you know, we had 10 auctions yesterday. Uh, we've got you know, heaps more books in between now and Christmas. So the activity is back. And I think it's because we were able to keep them engaged in something and doing something rather than nothing through yeah. that time. But the first few weeks, uh, maybe even the first two months, I mean, one of the biggest challenges, you know, your guys get paid a big commission yeah. and a low base, right? 
So their income has gone. And most of us, we as Australians, and Chanel, you are, have got a gift in this as well. But as we earn more income, we manage to spend it, right? Yeah. And so then we get to a certain level of you know a lifestyle on a certain income, and then that gets belted. It's a problem, isn't it? It's a big yeah. problem. Yeah. And so do you, did you have conversations with your team members about that or how did you navigate through yeah. that? And, you know, each, each of the, uh, the team was in different circumstances personally. Mm. So I think it was more of a personal approach, uh, salesperson by salesperson, mm. to see what they needed from us. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's one of the realities of, of coronavirus and, mm. and, and the lockdowns is that there was going to be a disruption to what the business is bringing in mm. um, and therefore you know, what the salespeople are bringing in. But having said that, yeah, a few of the salespeople really stood up, and if if you look at their figures, you wouldn't know that there was a COVID crisis oh, really? in between. Yeah, I think you communicated what was happening really, really well. And when I look at businesses that I, you know, a lot of businesses or candidates that have left businesses, their reasons for leaving was because they just were left in the dark about what was happening with COVID. But mm. what you did was that you communicated it across the board mm. what was happening at all times. So. Although it was a really a, a shitty time, they all knew that there would be light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. and you would do everything you could to support them. Yeah. And again, that's even though it's a ginormous team, there's still that personal touch with each each individual employee that you have yeah. with your business. Chanel, and we got involved. Jace, I want to pull you up on that. It's giving me the bedroom mind. <laughs> I can't see it from there, but I can no, no, see it all day. No, no. So I agree with what you're saying, but you know, if you go back. No one knew what the hell was going on, mm. right? No one knew what the hell was going on. I mean, and I, you know, I love you uh, due to the Oof. time we spent in uh, rehab together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's where we bonded, Robbo. No, 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 <laughs> respectfully, but like, it's easy to say- um, Did you bond with Rex leading up to the rehab? He's yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the cause of his rehab. <laughs> no, but- uh, Oh, you're very strong there, Rex. Um, but like, it's easy to say, you know, we. We communicated with our team and all that sort of stuff. But right at the start, no one knew anything that was going yeah. on. But I think words are better than no words. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I mean, even just like, even though it's so minute, even your social media posts, it was nothing but, you know, it's going to be okay. It, it's you, you didn't disregard the fact that it was a shit time and it was a shit time and everyone mm. was stressed. You didn't disregard that. You you addressed it and then you just kept, you, every message that you relayed was, we're going to get through it. We're all part of, you know, we're all in this together. That sounds cliche, you know, it wasn't mm. like live life love. We did what we could also, you know. We did what we could also working with our corporate office and, um, and you know, with REIV and trying to, to push some sort of change, even though our voice is not is not a big one, it's a small mm. one in the industry. Mm. But at least just to show our team that, hey, you know what? We're, yeah. We may not have an impact, but whatever small impact we're gonna have, mm. we're gonna fight for you. Um, and we were relentless in doing that. You know, I spent mm. a lot of time, um, you know, I can see Daniel over there <laughs> with Daniel DeCici too, uh, talking about things that we can do. And um, it, it was great to see the industry come together, but mm. I just wanted to let our team know It was also good that, that the Premier didn't even fucking listen to a word we said. No, <laughs> we're not, no. But you were the first to do the online auctions, but weren't you as well? It doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight though. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That, online yeah. auctions, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we you were the first to, to do it, weren't you though? Yeah, yeah I was doing auctions from my living room. That worked out well. Can I ask, Rob, were you wearing a full suit or was the bottom? Back to the outfit. Have you not seen his <laughs> Instagram post? It was just top half That's of what I saw. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> no, I just didn't have my shoes on. Just no shoes on. <laughs> I saw boxes, but. <laughs> Where are you taking this show? She starts with the salami, now you're in boxes. <laughs> hey, Rob, it's been great to have you. Um, been great to you're be a here. good man. I'm glad that Tony said no and you said yes. No, <laughs> no, what you've done and what you've done in your business has been outstanding. And I, uh, you're quite a humble person, which I think is a, an admirable quality to have. 
Somewhat different Thank to you. some other people that we know. No, 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 no. Your humility is awesome. You're a good guy. You've got a great business. There's no doubt you've had some challenges along the way. I'm really looking forward to where you're going to be in the next five years. And I, I think that I know it's going to be growth. I just don't know where you're going to get to. So, Robbo, yeah. you're you. a good man. Thanks, Thanks for coming to see us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. Guys, I think we're just about done. Pete, I know that you're big on the whole Pete cheat sheet. And we've got this new little thing, Rex. We didn't tell you. You were out. Oh, was that? All hours of the night, Pete. I'm telling you right now. I haven't uh, slept yet. Yeah, so, Pete's, hey, we've brought up this thing called Pete's Cheat Sheet. What is Pete's Cheat I don't know. It's not like the handbook. It's not like the rule book. Now, Pete's Cheat Sheet is a tip every week to give us a little bit of a something to take home and put in our pocket and maybe do something <laughs> good for the world, Rex, rather than just drawing everything and taking it yourself, <laughs> giving something back. So, Big Pete, over to you, handsome. Welcome to this week's Cheat Sheet. Always start with the end in mind. If you're building a real estate agency with an asset sale in the near future as your goal, it would be a very, very different strategy to building a real estate agency that you wanted a passive income from. Always start with the end in mind. My tip for the week. There we go. Pete's first cheat sheet. I liked it. Begin with the end in mind. You know what the end I'm thinking about, Rex, is that salami at Harcourts and Rada. Hey, thanks, Pete. You're a star. Robbo, we love you. Big man. Whack it on there. Thanks, guys. See you next week, guys. All the best to your families. And uh, let's hope Rex brings his A-game next week. Okay. All the best. (laughs)